Welcome to the Lindsay Hadley Podcast Show. I'm coming to you from the North Shore of Oahu, where weekly I interview some of the world's most inspiring people from business, philanthropy, and entertainment. I love collecting humans, and these are some of my favorites I've found along the way. This podcast is brought to us by Capita Financial Network. Do you need help with the next steps of your financial plan? Think Capita. Capita is a financial network built around you. They have a team of financial advisors, CPAs, state attorneys, Medicare providers, and social security experts to help you accomplish your financial goals. Call or schedule a complimentary consultation at 801-566-5058 or visit their website at capitafinancialnetwork.com. You can also check out their financial education podcast, The Financial Call, available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and YouTube. Welcome to the Lindsay Hadley Podcast Show. Today we have Bob Worsley on our show today. He's got an incredible background as an entrepreneur. He's had incredible success as the founder of SkyMall, which he's going to talk a little about that journey and what led him to now being an investor in various capacities and I guess summoning his next Everest as he's building a new uh, company as the founder of Zenny Home, which I'm thrilled for him to talk about in a world where there's some real pressure and stress around affordability of homes and sustainability in our current environment of climate change and carbon footprint. Um, Bob has come up with some pretty stunning solutions. Um, so Bob, thank you so much for being on our show. We're so glad to have you. Thank you, Lindsay. It's a pleasure. So Bob, why don't you start out by telling us a little about your story? Where are you from and what got you into entrepreneurship? And tell us a little about Sky Mall. I'm so excited uh, for you to share some stories there. I heard some amazing stories around um, how you worked with the FBI to help actually take down some of the individuals that were part of the September 11th attacks on our country, which uh, that's going to be a stunning story to hear all about. Well, great. I started uh, from from Harriman, born in Harriman, Utah. And when I was 10 years old, my father moved us to Boise, raised there, went to BYU. Um, after BYU, went to work for PricewaterhouseCoopers uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, and ended up staying in Phoenix for 40 years. When I was 35, I decided I was done being a CPA and I wanted to be on the other side of the ledger. No pun intended. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I founded uh, SkyMall when I was 35. I was on a flight from Seattle to Phoenix and had this idea that the catalog in the seat pocket that was there at that time was really outdated. Yes. And we created this mall of companies you would normally see in your mailbox. And we took the company public. We um, had a great run during the time that Amazon and others were kind of running in the e-commerce space, reached a half a billion dollar market cap, 450 employees. And uh, then we exited the business. Uh, we sold the business to Rupert Murdoch. And 52 days after we sold the business to Rupert Murdoch, 9-11 happened. And uh, we had traumatic experience finding out that all the, all the terrorists that had been on the planes doing test runs had been purchasing from us. Wow. And we had some horror stories with our agents on the floor that had been kind of verbally abused by some of them. And so we let the FBI know that we had some information and collaborated with them. Uh, we had credit card information where we were shipping the merchandise, a lot of details about the orders that uh, I think helped them find out uh, their, their money flow, the credit cards they were using, et cetera. So it was uh, wow. kind of an interesting experience. After, after wow. SkyMall, 
Um, I bought a public company and we now have 100,000 acres of land from that company and a million acres of minerals. We have started a, a biomass facility and we have solar and wind projects that we have leased our land uh, to build. Uh, and then I was asked to run for office. I served three terms in the Arizona Senate, never lost an election. And in 2019, I decided to retire and I started Zenny Home after that. This is the last uh, startup I promised my wife at 67 now <laughs> that uh, I won't be starting any more businesses. But this is by far the biggest and most exciting has the largest market potential and largest impact on society that anything I've ever done. So I'm very excited about it. Wow, Bob, what an incredible track record. So you've never lost an election. The businesses you've been a part of have been su successful. Can you share some failures with us? Can you can you come back down to earth and be human for a minute? Because um, I know for every entrepreneur, uh, failure is just a part of the journey, but it may not look like a failure in the totality. But can you share any stories that maybe will be heartening for people along the journey that are that are eating dust at the moment. <laughs> um, every, um, every business uh, that I've ever been associated with has had points of failure that uh, have nearly cost the owner everything. And that is true of every business we've started. Uh, although I was named Entrepreneur of the Year in Arizona in 1999, uh, 1994 was almost a failure. Uh, we we were doing airport delivery and concierge service uh, and just really had too complicated of a business model. And so we rapidly uh, fixated around uh, the idea of drop shipping. Now, remember, this is before Amazon was around. Right. And so we created the first digital uh, tools necessary to send orders from our, our shop and through client server systems, drop them into the systems of our vendors, our catalog partners, and they fulfilled the orders. We didn't have to carry the inventory in our, our warehouse. So we went from losing $13 million a year in 1994 to making a million dollars a year in 1995. Wow. And then a public in 1996. Wow. So from, from almost a complete failure to uh, by 1998, we're a half a billion dollar market cap. Wow, what a stunning turnaround. That's like the, your nose diving and you just did this, the hardest J curve ever. What an incredible time. What, what was that like watching things start to escalate and be going the right direction? Were you almost like, is this too good to be true? Were, were you holding your breath through the whole thing? Or, or did you have a knowing that you were on the right track? Well, you know, we talk in, in entrepreneur land, we talk about sacred cows and looking back on it, I was young, I was in my 30s and I had some sacred cows I wasn't willing to give up. And those, one of those sacred cows was controlling our own inventory, controlling the order uh, completely within our shop so it could be high quality service, white glove service to the customer and doing concierge service. If you don't see anything in our catalog, we'll find it anywhere in the world. Oh, wow. And we did, we did that as well. And although we tried to charge the customer for enough for those services, those sacred cows were costing us money and making the business very complex. And at the end of the day, it was better to slaughter the sacred cows oh, and wow. have, the, have the business thrive. And it, it did. 
oh, that's a lot of discipline. What was it that finally got you to see that? Because you sounded like you were holding on white knuckle to the original ideas. Yeah, just I, had, the I had two, <laughs> two, great, two great funding partners. Um, Alan Ashton, who started uh, WordPerfect Corporation uh, in mm. Provo. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bert Getz, who is uh, a very large investor from Chicago. And both gentlemen, they were older than me by probably 15 or 20 years. And they just said, Bob, you know, this just isn't working. And we're not going to put more money in the company. And, you know, I had to look in the mirror the next day and say, now what? You know, I don't have uh, these very generous, wonderful men as my, uh, as my, uh, source of funding. So I've got to figure this out myself. And yeah. so that's really what precipitated the, the hard look at the sacred cows and doing what we had to do to turn things around. And it was a blessing for them to make the young man kind of pay attention and, and, and make some changes that needed to happen. Isn't that just such a stunning allegory of life? I understand you have like share a same faith background as me being LDS and like the, the idea people of Christianity, most religions actually have the same impetus of a belief of like turning from quote sin or repenting or in our thinking, but it's often the pain of going down the wrong path that causes us to then change our behavior. It's like people are motivated um, in a couple ways to change. And one of them, one of the most powerful ones is pain. Something becomes so untenable and so painful um, you know, the 12-step program, the first one is admitting that your life is unmanageable and that you literally are like held captive to this this addiction or this vice, whatever it may be. And as a human being, like what's been really beautiful on my faith journey is understanding that repentance is really just changing our thoughts. It's changing the way we think, because when we change our thought, then we will change our behavior. Like if we're driving along and we think that the cops are not going to pull us over and give us a speeding ticket, we'll keep speeding. But if we know that there's a cop around the corner, we change our behavior. It's our thinking that actually informs our behavior. And so I think knowing that you have no more, I guess, uh, you know, f- you know, no golden goose on the other side or money that could keep coming, it put this pressure on you was such a gift. Um, what are the thoughts? Do you, what does that bring up for you? What are the thoughts about that? And I love, I love this, this part of the conversation because it's something we all can use in our personal lives and in our interpersonal lives and in our business lives and in our investing lives, that pain can be a great um, gift. Yeah, I think um, as much as I want to believe that love and comfort and support um, are highly motivating, um, and I prefer that, um, sometimes just uh, hitting, hitting rock bottom and, and something really hard is actually what brings us to our senses. And if it's hurt, if it hurts and um, it's painful enough, we, we can actually look in the mirror and see something we haven't seen before. Uh, I think that's absolutely the case in startup businesses. Every single one I've been involved in, our biomass facility, uh, Zenny Home, everything that we've ever started has had uh, moments where you've really got to look at the hard things in front of you and make make some changes uh, for the business to succeed. That's that's so brilliant. I love I love this. So Zenny Home. So why Zenny Home? Why now? Tell us a little bit. I mean, you talked about it being the biggest thing you've done as as far as market potential. Um, I have a friend who's founded a uh, like a glamping 
high-end um, disparate hotel company. And she's in early stages of the startup, you know, literally launching her first units. And I've been watching her journey and it seems like this is what I would call like a quote fad or, you know, it's like a craze, these tiny homes and small homes. And what are your thoughts about where this is going in the future and why? I'm like so excited to hear your thoughts about the market. Yeah, I think we are in an unprecedented time uh, relative to a roof over your head. Mm. Uh, in, in 1950, we were 950 square feet. Um, and there were five people living in that home. Uh, today, we have 3,500 square foot homes and three people living in that home. So if you just look at the math, we have become, in, Amer in America, we have become very uh, infatuated with larger spaces and also single purpose spaces. And I think, I think what's now happened with um, prices of homes tripling since 2000 and interest rates over doubling in one year, that means your mortgage payments more than doubled, um, that the six and a half million home shortage in America, coupled with those price and interest rate pressures has created uh, for the first time, a situation where our children will not be able to buy homes. Wow. And that's, that's the first time in, in my lifetime, and I've been around 67 years. And, and that breaks my heart that my kids and grandkids, you know, ha can't afford to have a roof over their head that they own, uh, that they would have to rent. And rent is outrageous. Uh, oh. rents, have, rents have doubled. And and so what, you, what you're facing is, if you look at it, uh, Salt Lake City had 26% increase in homelessness. Uh, Phoenix had in the 20s. Los Angeles is out of control. San Francisco. Um, what's happening is people are falling off the bottom rung of the ladder, the economic ladder. And as a result of that, um, there, there's more and more people that just can't even afford to have a home over their, their head. And that's just untenable. It's a $2 trillion a year business housing. And it's time for um, us to come up with a different approach. And in my opinion, the new approach is the only way to bring cost of housing down is to have a smaller space that, that lives better and is used for multiple purposes. The spaces are used for multiple purposes. And um, we are... Uh, coming up with that model. And we think homes should be built like cars um, in a factory uh, so that you can bring the cost down and get the quality up and get the quantity out that this market needs. So it's a whole new approach, much bigger market than anything I've ever played in before. We got SkyMall to $150 million, Lindsay, uh, a year. And that was about 13, 13 cents a passenger of spend. And we could not get it past that. Um, this business is billions and billions and billions of potential. We've got well over 40,000 soft orders. Uh, that's well over $5 billion of revenue. And we're just starting. We're just shipping the first 25 units. So it's more, more potential than anything I've ever been around. Nothing I've ever started had this kind of potential. So it is quite the ride. That's so exciting, Bob. What? Uh, tell me a little bit about I mean, when you talk about the four billion homes, I, I saw um, a statistic recently, and I could have this wrong, but it was something like, you know, in the in the nineteen nineties and, and late eighties, it was like something around 
13% of a person's income went to rent and or their mortgage. And it's now at 30% of a person's annual income on average. So it's more than doubled in our generation. And so now what you had to make previously, and then of course, all the other costs have gone up from childcare to, I mean, it's not met inflation by any degree. And then, you know, uh, higher education is higher than ever. I mean, just disproportionately, we're having like an economic lopsided dynamic for this next generation, like you talked about. So with these homes, if people can get accustomed, I live in, I live in Hawaii, right? And I live in a very small space. I have a family of five and a dog and we live in 900 square feet. So when you talked about that, I was laughing because I live right on the beach. Yes, I'm in paradise and the outdoors is our living room. Like literally I live on the beach. So I walk, I just run on the beach every day. That's where I live. You know, there's sunshine every day and it's beautiful. Um, but I have to admit, like, I'm used to the bigger homes, I'm used to the bigger spaces, and it is hard to overcome the, the inertia of consumerism. And like, where do we put these spaces and constantly having and I love that, that Hawaii offers that culture, but how are you um, seeing that people are responding? What's the demographic of people that are responding to this new way of life? Because minimalism is is definitely something that I think has early adopters. But I still see just like gross, um, consumeristic, you know, uh, behavior that we just it feels like it's a vice in our culture. I'd love to hear your thoughts about that at like a higher level. Well, Lindsay, uh, congratulations. You've gone backwards 70 years the way you're living. <laughs> five, five people in 900 square feet. Welcome to the 50s. Um, and the name of our company is Any Home for this reason. Um, I think that if you allow yourself to have 30 to 50% of your income go toward a house payment, um, you are really in bondage. I mean, it's imagine working at McDonald's or something for 15 to 20 bucks an hour mm. and you can't even, you can't even get rent for $1,500 a month. I mean, there's just no way to live. Mm -hmm. And so there's Zen, a Zen life. If you look at the Chinese and Japanese roots of this word, is to become what you're living, what you're living in Hawaii. You're one with the earth, your feet are in the sand, um, you're loving Mother Earth, you're not taking more from her than she can give you in a given year. Americans take nine Earths per capita. Oh. You are right now, you are right now living much more close to one, one Earth for you to live. And India has one per one Earth per person. Uh, what we're spending uh, per year in resources on this earth. And Americans are living with nine per capita. Wow. And that that is just not sustainable. So how do we get back to the essence of life? The people in Europe, the people in the Far East, they live in a smaller space. They use the same space for different things. A hide a bed's no big deal. Mm -hmm. um, they They look at their space that's air conditioned or heated as something that can be used many different ways. And we, we've just become very selfish in America that we want to have every child in their own bedroom, big rooms, your air conditioning and heating all those rooms. And the biggest part, Lindsay, is you're paying for all those square feet up front when you pay for a big, for a big home. Um, your, your cost to buy it and then the cost to maintain it is really kind of outrageous compared to all previous generations. So we, we hope we can convince people to consider a Zen-like life where you're in harmony with Mother Earth, 
you're in harmony with what she can give you and support you with. And uh, taking nine times more than we need is just not a good system for Americans to live with. Wow. I love that, that it comes from the root of Zen. Um, tell me a little bit about how difficult it is for the permitting process. So if somebody, are you, are, by the way, are you mostly looking for B2C then? Is this a B2C model? So the average, like I'm looking to, you know, buy a home in Utah and um, potentially move back, which is, I've, I've been, this is fun conversation to have you. So I'm like a potential customer, right? And I love the design, the modern minimalistic style. Your st all, of, all of your units I've seen are totally my style. But I was curious, like, do you, you know, do you find it is a pretty straightforward process? What would it be like for somebody like me? I go on and I'm like, okay, I get some land. And then what's the process with you guys? Just like any builder or developer, we have to get permits. We have to go through all that process. What's that? What's the whole beginning to end stage with you? Well, in Utah, it's a little different than Arizona. Uh, there are seven states that don't have a state department of revenue. Mm -hmm. And um, Air, uh, Utah happens to be one of those states that does not have a statewide program. So we have to go to every city to get permitted. Oh. That's a pain. That's a pain. That's a bummer. <laughs> so, we, so we have a bill we're introducing uh, this session in Utah, and it looks like it'll pass. Um, Steve, uh, Representative Steve White is carrying our bill, um, and it will make a statewide permitting process possible for those who want to use our homes or any other factory-built uh, home. So, but in Arizona, we get one installation permit from the state. We have done all the permitting and all of the uh, inspections for your unit in the factory. So it comes pre-stamped and ready to come to you. You hire a general contractor that will do the, we have nine piers under our larger unit, concrete piers. They're about 36 inches around. They're substantial because we're a heavy home. And then we bring a 15 ton box, each box and two of those make one home. We bolt those down and then tie those to the uh, utilities. And it takes about a week to go through the unit where the two boxes come together and uh, tidy up the mate line waterproof the unit on that line and then make sure that your furniture and everything is situated uh, so that it functions across the main line. Um, so it's not that hard. Um, you buy the unit from us. Uh, we help you find a contractor. Um, the state issues a permit. Hopefully in Utah, that'll be the way it works when you come back from Hawaii. And uh, it's about a week or two. You do need to have a piece of land. And it has to be zoned appropriately so that if you're going to put it behind another home, there has to be an ADU kind mm -hmm. of permission that the, the city would allow from a zoning perspective. And other than that, it's pretty straightforward. You can get a mortgage, an FHA, uh, USDA, uh, Fannie Mae mortgage, 30-year mortgage on the home. It's, it's just like the home you're setting in right now. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's very much connected to the ground. It's not on wheels that require a chattel mortgage or something that's expensive like your typical mobile home, modular home, they they are not eligible for a 30-year mortgage. Ours are because they attach to the ground. Neat. And, and how long is it? I, I believe I was reading it's 30% less expensive. Is that right? You save, you save 30% of a normal price for the square footage on the house? Uh, yes, we're trying to save 30% of cost for you all in and 50% uh, at least 50% of schedule. 
um, oh, wow. in order to get it done, get it done quicker. Um, you mentioned B2C before, and uh, we, we are mainly B2B. Most of our orders are in the neighborhood of 100 orders um, for we're building a, a multi-level, uh, a multi-family uh, building in downtown Mason's 90 units uh, on, top, on top of a concrete podium. Um, and then we have the Navajo Nation is buying 1,000 homes from us. Uh, they need 30,000 homes because they've been it's been so long since they've had a refresh of their housing stock. And uh, so most of the people, if you drive through the nation, you can see it. There just is not uh, a modern home that they can live in. Yeah. So we, we like to work with people like that. We're actually working with Maui uh, for the, um, the fire that was there and working with FEMA and hoping that we can get some Zenny homes over there and get some folks into homes that have been staying in hotels and, are now being kicked out of hotels because it's been so long. Um, so we like those opportunities, but we will do uh, B2C, um, ADU uh, for people. Uh, it's just not going to be the core part of our business. We'll mainly be doing B2B, B2G uh, uh, channel. Incredible. So um, what kind of time frame does it normally take then to build um, like I saw there's some where you can actually put two units together and make an even bigger home, say that you have a bigger family or footprint or you're like, I work from home from my office. So somebody might need an extra utility of that or whatever. Um, those two units, um, how long does it take to, to put something together then in, in terms of the schedule? We are currently, uh, booked in the factory through the middle of 2024. Um, so if, all the things lined up and you were ready and uh, you had a piece of land and figured out your financing, uh, we could get something to you next summer in Utah. Um, and it only takes us four or five days from start to finish to, to build the home. Um, so it's not a lot of time for us to build the home. It's a matter of getting you ready uh, with permits, a general contractor to do the site work, the prep work, making sure the land, the financing, everything's in place before, before we send uh, a home to you. We, my wife and I are also, we bought a lot here in Mesa and we're taking three of the two bedrooms and creating a beautiful 1920 square foot home by, it's called a bi-nuclear mid-century modern home. And it's kind of in a U shape. It's really beautiful with a 400 square foot deck. And so you step out of your two bedroom unit onto a deck outside and it ends up being this just really lovely gathering place uh covered we've covered it and it's six bedrooms three baths um at least six office spaces if you wanted it and it could be used as a triplex or it could be used as a single family home how exciting so, is that model yeah. anywhere could somebody duplicate that model you created Oh, absolutely. The Native American Navajos want this for a more extended, larger family. So we created it for them. We loved it so much that my wife and I are putting one in Mesa. And so yeah. you can come to Mesa and see our two units of standalone units. You can, you will be able to see in 2024, you'll see the multifamily 75 foot tall building, 90 units over a grocery store. All of that in a half acre, by the way. And then okay. you'll see you'll be able to see three units as a 1920 square foot home with all the bedrooms and bathrooms you'd ever want. 
That's so exciting, Bob. So by the way, thank you for all you're doing for the First Nations people, the Dene Navajo people. I, I love them so much. I actually have um, some a lot of decor from uh, that, from artists in that community. I have friends from that part of the world. My family spent a lot of time in um, Lake Powell um, in Page, Arizona, and built some really meaningful relationships from individuals from the Diné tribe. And I, I understand that where your factory is, you actually have employed a significant amount of Navajo and First Nations people. Can you talk a little bit about that? How, how, how fun is that? There's such rich heritage. And um, I just love so much about that community. Well, when I was in the Senate, um, I worked with uh, senators that were Navajo and had a really nice relationship with them. I've always been, although I'm a Republican, I've been very uh, close to minority groups, um, Hispanic. I went to South America on a mission and I speak Spanish. So I've had a soft spot, a soft place in my heart for them, the Latinos. And my best friend uh, was on the Navajo Nation and died of an aneurysm his last week of his mission. Um, so I have a strong feeling for them as well and his service there. And most of the Salt Lake people that I know have a deep and abiding love for Lake Powell. And in fact, they talk about the three big power stacks that they would know where they were on the lake, on the reservoir, based on where those stacks were. And those, those stacks came down in December of 2020. And that large coal plant, the largest coal plant west of Mississippi, uh, was deactivated and torn down. The steel, the steel they took out of that coal plant uh, went to Plymouth, Utah, to the new core facility, and all that steel was recycled. So I tell people that we are we will be building six thousand five hundred Zenny homes with the steel that used to be in that coal plant. Wow! Or uh, maybe not the same molecules, but in the same way that we're part of the old dinosaur DNA. <laughs> Yeah, that's that steel, that recycled steel is in circulation, and we buy steel coils and red steel, and I'm I'm sure some of that came from this coal plant. And mm. so, when I when I um, was leaving the Senate in 19, this was all a big drama, and I felt like let's go look at that location because we know they laid off 1,200 people, mm. and so we. We actually went and negotiated with the Navajo people, and ha I have a great relationship with the president now. And we decided to take over the the Navajo generating station, wow. where those workers used to make coal, uh, coal powered power. Um, they now are iron workers, boiler makers, uh, carpenters that were let go. We even had one gentleman that became um, homeless in the page. Uh, park, uh, alcoholic and all that. And he was our employee of the month a couple of months ago and is actively working and happy and very reliable. And so putting these people back to work, we're already 126 people back uh, that were laid off and we have 300 more that are waiting to join us. Eventually we'll have well over 500 of those people redeployed and in a job that will technically never end versus a coal plant that has a 50 or 60 year life and is not looked at as a good way to make power because of the pollution. Um, so it's here's a highly sustainable product. And the Navajos are now excited because it's built on Navajo, by Navajo, for Navajo. 
they get to live in these homes that they build on a factory on their nation that pays taxes to their country, to their to their nation. So wow. we are we are really close to the Diné people, and um, our team is all Diné. They're at the plant. Very few people are not uh, Navajo. Uh, we have a few that are Hopi Navajo combo. <laughs> um, we have one Latino Navajo combo. Um, so we're we're just thrilled that we're able to help that area and employ those people, and they're helping us. Incredible! What a synergistic situation. I am so um, glad to hear that. And so, Bob, you know, I know we're I'm mindful of the time. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Is there anything you want to leave with us to share? you know, um, about Zenny, where it's in its growth, how people can get involved. I mean, you guys, you just did a Series A, I understand. Is that right? An investment? Yeah, we're doing a $25 million Series A. We're about half finished with that. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a very unique, uh, what we call concurrent offering. If you would like to go to WeFunder and invest as little as $250, you pay the same price per share in a democratized fundraise as a millionaire that's putting a million dollars in the company, the same stock price. Um, that's unusual. Usually the big investors get a better deal. So we have um, crowdfunding for those who want to invest at least $250. And then for those who want to be part of the Reg, the Reg D offering, the Series A Reg D offering, they pay the same price per share through a Reg D offering. We have an opportunity zone that's at the same price as well for those who want to shelter short or long-term capital gains and then not ever pay tax on the gain on their SkyMall investment. And then we also have a convertible uh, debenture that, that converts into preferred shares at the same price um, that they, the, the, the last 18 months and carries an 8% interest rate. And when we, we also found a few um, H1 uh, visa holders from India and Pakistan who wanted to get a green card and become citizens. They're here working legally today in Austin, Texas, and they, they would like to get a green card. So we started an EB-5 program. And for $800,000, because we're on the Navajo Nation with high unemployment, we get a the go to the front of the line for those visas, and we can get an EB-5 visa uh, green card in one year and citizenship in five years after that wow. for those who and they pay the same price per share so it's really a unique offering where we're letting we're trying to find everybody that wants to participate they can all invest at the level they can afford and uh, not more than that and those who want to get in in a big way we are really thrilled to have them involved as well amazing bob thank you so much for sharing and for coming on the show and i'm wishing you all the best of luck with Zenny Home and 2024 being like this amazing year for you guys as you get out in the market and people get to see the beautiful design and the utility that you've created and, and make an impact. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you and enjoy Hawaii, Lindsay. Thank you. Do you need help with the next steps for your financial plan? Think Capita. Capita is a financial network built around you. They have a team of financial advisors, CPAs, estate attorneys, Medicare providers, and social security experts to help you accomplish your financial goals. Call to schedule a complimentary consultation at 801-566-5058 or visit their website at www.capitafinancialnetwork.com. 
You can also check out their financial education podcast, The Financial Call, available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and YouTube.